Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, good evening, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our program, Praying for America, where we gather with Christians and patriots from coast to coast and with friends from overseas as well as we pray for this great nation and recommit ourselves to its principles. Brothers and sisters, we have a very special guest tonight that I want to introduce, and then we'll get into our scripture, our opening prayer, and our discussion. Uh, his name is Pastor Rafael Cruz. Uh, he was born in Cuba and uh, came to the United States, to Texas in particular, and he is a man who understands the difference between tyranny and freedom and who stands up for this country, is a pastor, a preacher of the gospel, and is a man who understands the relationship, the intimate relationship between religion and politics. You no doubt know of his son, who is Senator Ted Cruz. Pastor Rafael Cruz, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us on the program today. Father Pavon, it is so great to be with you. What an honor. You are a well, champion for the unborn, and I just salute you. Thank you for you have, what you have done for America and for saving millions of lives. Well, thank you so much, Abe. I, I, I appreciate that, and, and you and I had the pleasure of being together not too long ago at uh, CPAC, uh, at, which brings together so many like-minded patriots and uh, followers of Christ. Uh, and along those lines, I wanted to start uh, today with a scripture from the conclusion of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we read in uh, Matthew 28, 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you always until the end of the age. Let us pray. Father, we rejoice in you today as followers of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is King of kings, Lord of lords, worshipped by every nation. We come before you, Father, with deep resolve and with deep commitment to the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ, to his lordship, over us, not only as individuals, but as nations. We pray today, Father, that all His disciples may recognize that He is Lord, not just of part of their lives, not just of uh, 90% of their lives, but of 100% of everything that they think, say, and do, including, Lord God, in their political choices, and in the voting booth, and in the way that they govern themselves. Father, we ask that the Lordship of Jesus Christ may more and more inform our lives in this nation and that we as citizens of his kingdom and also as citizens on earth may indeed fulfill the great commission he has given us. 
May all come to believe. May all come to obey everything that you have commanded us. For there alone do we find hope, do we find fulfillment, do we find freedom and salvation. In the name of the only Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. 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 So it is such a joy to have you here. Could you tell our audience, first of all, a little bit about, as I, as I mentioned in my brief introduction of you, uh, you are originally from Cuba, and uh, you learned by some very difficult personal experience uh, what it is to be in, the play, in a place where there isn't freedom, a gift that we often take for granted here in America. Well, you know, Pastor, um, Father Pavon, it is so overwhelming that, you know, the book of Hosea, chapter 4, verse 6, says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Yes. And people have been, especially, unfortunately, university students are being brainwashed by all the Marxist professors that plague the universities across America. Communism is the opium, not not religion, but communism is truly the opium of the masses. Not what Karl Marx said. Communism has killed countless millions across the world, has brought misery to many, many countries across the world. And I saw that happen in Cuba. And like always, they come uh, wearing sheep's clothing. Yes. When yes. Fidel Castro came into the scene, he portrayed himself as a freedom fighter as someone that was going to fight oppression and bring true liberation. And of course, kids who didn't know any better, including myself, followed him, thinking that he was our solution. Because of that, I ended up in prison, being tortured. I thought I was going to die. But that God who I did not know, but he knew me, and he had other plans for my life, I was able to leave Cuba legally on a student visa and come to this wonderful country, still thinking that Castro was a good guy. Well, after Castro took over, I went back to Cuba and did I get a shock? That same man that was talking about a liberation was now confiscating private property, was putting pastors and priests in prison, was telling the families that their children did not belong to them, they belonged to the state. They were telling the children that if they heard their parents speak against the government, they should denounce them to the police. An interesting story, Father Pavon, soldiers would come into a kindergarten class. My mother told me this, who was a school teacher. And soldiers would say to the kids, okay, kids, close your eyes and ask God for candy. Okay, open your eyes. Where is the candy? No candy. Close your eyes again and ask Fidel for candy. And while the eyes were closed and very carefully, will quietly put candy on all the desks. As you well know, communism must destroy the concept of God because government must become your God. Mm -hmm. And the same thing, they must destroy the family because the allegiance must be to almighty government and not to the family and to almighty God. 
It is sad. It is sad and it's distressing uh, to hear hearing those kinds of stories. You know, when you mentioned, uh, Pastor Cruz, about the uh, the idea as communism encroaches into a country uh, of the children, uh, not belonging to the parents, but belonging to the state, it reminded me of what we what we are seeing now in these midterm elections. So many uh, parents have been awakened. Uh, we saw it last year in Virginia by uh, this notion that indeed, I mean, it's it's exactly the same idea that, oh, well, we will decide through the school district or the board of education or through the department of education, uh, we will decide what these students will learn. And the parents really don't have uh, any involvement in this. Whereas, of course, we believe as Americans and also as Christians, it is the parents who have the primary duty of educating their um, their children. How how concerned should people be that we start to see this pattern arising where government is asserting itself on the local and, and on the federal level uh, to say, no, no, we will, we will have the final say about what these children learn? I think we should be very, very concerned. You know, Father Pavone, I think there is no other scripture that describes what's happening today in America more than Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, where God says, I set before you today life and death, the blessing and the curse. And then God says, so choose life that you and your descendants may live. We are in a battle for the future of our children and our children's children. And the stark reality is if we lose this battle, those children will not have a future. We are in a battle for the survival of America. I was just listening to the news yesterday. And in California now, they are saying that they're going to help children through transgender surgeries and hormone blockers and all these things without the consent of the parents and that the parents will have no say. And if the parents object, they will find similar transgender uh, individuals that will basically adopt those children. It is a battle against the very foundation of America. The very first institution that God created was the family. And it, they are going for the destruction of the family. Yeah, it's it's so clear. It's it's undeniable. And, um, you know, when we think about the, the well-being of our children, you know, we also have obviously, and you mentioned it at, at the outset of as we've been working against uh, uh, to the tragedy of abortion. You know, the fundamental right from the very beginning, the fundamental idea that the government can declare that these are not persons, that these are, are not subjects of constitutional rights, but rather can be disposed of at the at the will of the of the mother. I mean, there's no more basic denial of life than than that. Tell us how you see this this tragedy of abortion eating away at uh, America as well. Well, you know, if you look even in the Old Testament, the great sin that the Bible talks about is passing children through the fire. Yes. Uh, offering babies to Moloch. You know, I was in Israel, the last time I was in Israel was three years ago. And I was at Caesarea Philippi, which was a very idolatrous city in the time of Jesus. 
and they sacrificed babies to the devil in that city. They threw them down a deep pit that they called the gates of hell. And it is really, we're going back to the worship of Moloch, sacrificing babies to the devil. And actually, you know, the word of God is so clear in Jeremiah 1, 5, God says, before you were conceived in your mother's womb, God says, I knew you. I think that settles when life starts. It started in the mind of God, even before we were conceived. Exactly. Yeah. He carries out his plan for each of us. He has his vocation for each of us. The scripture shows us that relationship between Almighty God and the child in the womb. Um, you know, when it comes to that issue, to, to education, to security, all these things that we're dealing with, um, you know, as, as, as we began this program with the passage of the Great Commission, we see Jesus saying, teach the nations to carry out everything I have commanded you. And, and, and I've always pointed to that as one of the, the many biblical passages that shows us that religion and politics really do mix. You know, some people think that, 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 that there's, this, there's this artificial separation that should be made between the two. But I know that you, as a preacher of the gospel, uh, also have such a deep appreciation of how the political reality uh, of our lives intersects with the reality of our, our religion, our worship of God. Could you explain more of that to our audience? And for yes. those who would say religion and politics don't mix. Well, before that, let's them? let's begin with, uh, with the Great Commission, where Jesus says, basically, if I may paraphrase, because all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me, unto Jesus, therefore you go. That is a delegation of authority. God has delegated through Jesus to us to go on the authority of the name of Jesus and conquer territory that the enemy has usurped. And you know, when we realize, you know, uh, Father Pabon, uh, as I walk around and I see so much of the church in general that has become passive, have become passive, and they use this phrase as a cop-out. And the phrase is, God is in control. And they have used that phrase to excuse their doing nothing, to excuse their sitting back on their couch watching the idiot box and not doing anything. That is not biblical. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required, the very first thing that God said to Adam was, you take care of the garden. You tend to it and keep it. That is a stewardship responsibility. We have a stewardship responsibility over America. And America, as you well said at the beginning, was created at the, as a Christian country. Before those pilgrims got off the boat, they penned a document called the Mayflower Compact. And it starts by stating their purpose for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. That was our foundation. And 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For no other foundation can any man lay than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. America was founded on Jesus Christ. And a revolution. The revolution was fought by men of God who were at the forefront of every battle. The majority of 
those, as a matter of fact, 29 of the 56 signers of the declaration were seminary graduates, were theologians. Mm -hmm. They were men of God. So how can we now say that we are going to divorce ourselves from the political process? God has given us the greatest country on the face of the earth. And we have a stewardship responsibility to preserve it. Not only that, even if we look at the Gospels, Jesus was very involved in politics. Who did Jesus confront the most? The political establishment. Mm -hmm. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priesthood, the high priest, the king, they were all prophets of Rome. They even had to prostitute their religion to accommodate the worship of Caesar as a god. And he confronted them and he called them hypocrites because they became woke like they are becoming today and basically just embrace the corrupt political structure. God is calling us to righteousness. Proverbs 29 2 says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, people mourn. But if the righteous are not running for political office, if the righteous are not even voting, what is left is the wicked electing the wicked. And I think then we become responsible. To whom much is given, much is required. Well, as we know, like our founders said, if a people is going to govern itself, and they gave us the, the, the authority to govern ourselves and the structure of our of our uh, our declaration and our constitution, if they don't know the difference between what's good and bad, if they don't know the difference between what's virtuous and sinful, if they don't know what's going to bring good to themselves and their families and their communities versus what's going to destroy them, then how can they govern themselves? And this is why, isn't it, that our founders said, in fact, it was George George Washington pointed out how religion and morality are indispensable supports. Otherwise, this experiment in self-governance simply cannot succeed because the people will lead themselves off a cliff. Uh, and 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 this is, seems to me now that one great sign of hope that I see is these. So there's some recent Supreme Court decisions on religious liberty uh, and also, of course, obviously on life, as we were talking about a moment ago. But the religious liberty decisions seem to be saying now the court is starting to correct, I think, what we've seen over the last five decades or so where there's, oh, there cannot be this uh, entanglement of religion and public life and the church and the state. But now it seems the court is more moving more in the direction of saying, listen, if the American people, if an American citizen wants to worship God, proclaim his or her faith in the public square, make their decisions based on their understanding of the law of God, they need to be free to do so. Do you share that same hope that maybe we're turning a corner there and that this religious freedom is what will enable us to, to do what you're, you're saying and let Jesus govern us? I think so. You know, if we look at history, you know, George Santillana once said, if we fail to learn the lessons of history, we're doomed to repeat them. If we look at the first great awakening, that was the spark that gave us the American Revolution. The second great awakening gave us the Emancipation Proclamation. I think we are ready to see a third great awakening, both spiritual and political. And I think they both go together. 
You know, right after the American Revolution, a man came to America from France. He learned his name was Alexis de Tocqueville. And he said, not until I went into the churches of America and saw its pulpits flame with righteousness, did I understand the secret of his genius and power. Well, first of all, unfortunately, there are many pulpits in America that are not flamed with righteousness. They've become woke because they don't want to offend anybody. And then Alexis de Tocqueville continued and he said, America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. The goodness of America is under attack by this woke, ungodly, uh, more lack of morality that they're trying to put upon every one of us and our children and grandchildren. But I think America is waking up. I think one of the good things we could say, even though there was a lot of bad things about COVID, one of the good things about children being home for a year is that many parents learned, learned about all the indoctrination that was going on in the schools. And they have said no more. And we are seeing a revolution in the school boards across America where people of faith are saying not anymore. I'm not going to have my children being brainwashed with transgenderism, with saying, God made a mistake. You're not really a girl. You're a boy. Let's change you. God doesn't make mistakes. I think that we are going to see an awakening as people's eyes are opening and a return to the Judeo-Christian principles that have made America the greatest country on the face of the earth. Well, Pastor Bruce, you articulate the, the connection between uh, religion and politics, you are no doubt uh, very proud of your son, Ted, uh, and what he has done as he served in the government in Texas, uh, as he became a U.S. senator, uh, where he still serves now, as he even ran for president of the United States. Uh, tell us a little bit. I know that our audience, of course, are, 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 are all very, very grateful for Senator Ted Cruz. And uh, tell us a little bit from a father's perspective uh, about your son. And, uh, it, you know, you, you, you must have seen from long ago, before any of us uh, knew him in the public arena uh, that he would uh, that he would go far that he would do great things for the Lord and for his country well you know the scripture says that our steps are ordained of the Lord and I think God had a very special plan for my son when uh, when he was a child four or five years old the verse that I would declare over him every day was Jeremiah 1 5 before you were conceived in your mother's womb, God says, I knew you and I had great plans for you. And I kept telling him, God has great plans for you. And when he was just entering high school, he was introduced to a man that ran an organization called the Free Enterprise Institute. He had Ted reading all the political and economic classics like Plato and Aristotle and von Mises and Hayek and Bastiak and Montesquieu and the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers and Milton Friedman. And then he, along with four other kids, 
they had them memorize the U.S. Constitution. Mm -hmm. During his four years in high schools on Saturdays, he gave over 80 speeches on free market economics and the Constitution across the state of Texas. Before he left high school, he knew that God's purpose for his life was for him to be a servant to, to the public. And so he's, he is not in Washington as a job. He is there because God called him to the political arena. And he knows that. He knows that he is on a mission. And that's why he works tirelessly, because he loves America like I love America. I must have told my son two dozen times, you know, Ted, when I lost my freedom in Cuba, I had a place to come to. If we lose our freedoms here, where are we going to go? There is no place to go. We must fight to protect the great thing that God has given us. When we realize how God has used America, 80% of the evangelism of the world has come out of America. God yeah. has used America to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. But again, to whom much is given, much is required. Well, we are very grateful to you uh, for having raised uh, Ted the way that you did. And, and we can see in talking with you uh, how uh, the Lord has uh, provided for him uh, to exercise the leadership he's doing now. It's always a joy to, to uh, intersect with him, to collaborate with him. You know, I met him long before he... Uh, became a, a senator, he was on one of my trips in Texas. And uh, somebody, he was at an event and somebody said, you gotta meet, you gotta meet Ted, he's gonna go far. And and uh, ever since then, of course, we've kept in contact and uh, we're so grateful, so grateful to him and so grateful to you and grateful, of course, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So uh, uh, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Uh, and I'd like to ask you, in conclusion, if you would lead our audience uh, in prayer uh, as we finish this uh, segment. Let us pray. Father, Lord God, we bless you. We exalt you. We glorify you. We thank you, Lord God, for that love that brought Jesus Christ to go to a cross and to take upon himself all of our sins, all of our iniquities. And Lord God, that the Lord Jesus Christ went through death, the grave, and hell to as payment for our sins. And the proof that the payment was complete was that you raised him from the dead on the third day. We thank you, Lord God, for the privilege of being Americans and living in the greatest country on the face of the earth. Lord God, but I am so conscious that we have a stewardship responsibility of our America. And Lord God, I pray that every person at the sound of my voice, that every Christian in America understands that righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people and father that we must heed our responsibility to go to the polls and to vote for righteous leaders men and women that are going to uphold the judeo-christian principles upon which america was founded lord god may you be exalted in america again May Jesus Christ be proclaimed as Lord and King and Savior and Master across America, Father. May the forces of darkness be overcome by the goodness and the power of the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for your grace and your goodness. 
and we look for anticipation, Father, as you miraculously rescue America from the brinks of destruction. May you be glorified in us and through us. We give you all the praise and all the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, brothers and sisters, we pray for you as well. We ask the blessing of the Lord on each one of you. And, and thank you for taking the time to watch tonight. Pastor Rafael Cruz, God bless you and your family. And uh, uh, we look forward to uh, being in contact with you again so that together we can labor to uh, proclaim the name of Jesus, advance his gospel, and work for the greatness of America. Thank you again. Father Babylon, it is so great, such an honor to be with you. I just declare blessings upon you. May God's blessings be multiplied to you. Thank you for your ministry. And God is saying to you right now, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. I appreciate that very much. Uh, friends, spread the word about this program. Join us again uh, each weeknight. And uh, meanwhile, just know that we are praying for you. And remember, the greatest days of America are yet ahead. Amen. Do not think for a moment that this country belongs to the radicals who are trying to destroy it. This country belongs to you. Let's defend it in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Father Frank Pavone here. Connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. And uh, we will talk to you again very soon. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.